episode 19. All right. Kurt Potter. Yes, sir. Potter, right? Yep. Okay. I'm, damn. I was like, like I, Harry Potter. Yeah. Captain <clears throat> Kurt Potter. <laughs> Legit. Right. We'll get into that in a minute. No worries. Um, so you're just saying you, you're, you've been doing a podcast. Yes. I had no idea. Yeah. So I, I've got a couple of partners of mine. Um, actually, they're both Navy SEAL wives. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we've been doing a podcast. We're calling the Civic Bitch Slap. The idea is to kind of use the, the issues of the day to kind yeah. of teach people how to politically engage. Well, I, I, so I, it crossed my mind. I was wondering what the hell we was going to talk about. And I really don't know. I had a mm-hmm. couple of things I wanted to go into a little bit just based on our conversations that we always have. Mm-hmm. But I do know how heavily you, how heavily involved you are, not into politics, but it's it's a it's a it's civics. It's it's how our government works. Mm-hmm. How you know what I mean? And I, and to be honest with you, it always goes above my head. That's... I, I, and I think most people would just sit there and stare at you with a little drool, like what the fuck's he talking about? Because you really go in deep. Yeah, I think you know for me. Um... The way I actually ended up getting into this was there was an issue that was important to me at the Tennessee State Legislature. Mm-hmm. I'd never gotten into politics before in my life. I mean, I'd, I've always been civically aware, but I wasn't like knee deep in it. So I got involved in this issue at the legislature. And then what ends up happening is I start getting my butt kicked at every turn. And I had three other people that I was working with on this issue. And finally, it was like, all right, I am done getting my butt kicked. I'm going to change my perspective in the way I deal with this. And so I started getting into strategy mm-hmm. and we ended up starting moving things and making things happen. Mm-hmm. And so it culminated at the Tennessee state legislature. There was, um, there was, a, a she was the Republican caucus chair is what she was. And, um, anyway, and everyone listening has no clue what you're talking about. But go ahead. I'm going to keep oh, going. Oh, okay. Cause, yeah. Cause gotcha. this, no, no, no. You're fine. I, mm. I literally have no idea about these levels of mm-hmm. government. You know, and we I know didn't either. presidents and senators and congressmen. <laughs> and we don't even really understand that because government's a very complex thing. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. So that's how you got into it. Yeah. And so, well, anyway, we ended up defeating her in her election and, yeah. and got, you know, that, that knee deep into it. Um but for, for me, what happened was we went back to the legislature and I couldn't believe how much influence we had then. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm just an average person who just got involved in an issue. Yeah. But I learned something. Did and you, was YouTube around when you started learning this? Um, yeah, I think it was. How did you go about gathering this information, this knowledge? People around, surrounding yourself with people? Yeah, surrounding myself with people and failing. Oh yeah, well, yeah. That's I agree. Failings are good. Yeah, I mean that you, know, you never learn through success. Yeah, you're right. And, and so anyway, um, when when we got to that level, I was just looking at my my partners then, and I was like, why aren't we teaching this to people? Mm-hmm. I, people don't know how this works, and they've never been taught this stuff in school. And I mean, we've even been taught fallacies in school mm-hmm. uh, about this whole process. Um, the whole idea that we have three co-equal branches. Yeah. Uh, they're not co-equal. They've never been co-equal, and they're never intended to be. And the three branches, because Brennan actually enjoys this, because he actually picks up and learns something on everyone. Yeah. The three branches that we're talking about, let's see if I can even remember, which is <clears throat> judicial, uh, legislative and what's the last executive one? executive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how that works is I guess Congress is legislative. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ju- uh, legis- uh, what was it? Oh, sorry. executive executive would be 
the president. President, and then the Senate would be no. What's what's judicial? no the DOD? No. What's judicial? <laughs> no, that's okay. The Senate and the House together. That's Congress. Okay, and they they are the superior head of government. Yeah. Then you've got the executive branch, and then below that you've got the judiciary, which well, is I know the these are all, these 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 create checks and balances. Well, yeah, to a degree, but yeah. you know, here's a here's the thing is that, and and I don't mean to shoot this, you know, like professorial or whatever, but in all reality, when you read the Constitution, Article One is the authority of the legislature. That you're you're talking about Congress, mm-hmm. you know, and so um, the House and the Senate. And so when you look at Article 1, Section 8 of, eight, Section 8 of the Constitution, they've got between 18 and 21 different authorities that are depending on how you break out the clauses. Then Article 2 of the Constitution is the executive <laughs> branch. And it's too complex. You're, you, it is. you're taking it to a level that the average public mm-hmm. may not need to know. Unless I think they want to be involved in mm-hmm. politics— but I'm gonna tell you, man, I, that could get, that could fry an average person's brain. Like, like life is hard enough. <laughs> no, no, you know what I mean? It like is just, hard. Just trying to function and make a dollar and keep your mm-hmm. kids, you know, halfway sane and have a mm-hmm. reasonable relationship in life. Just, just being able to communicate with another human being mm-hmm. is difficult enough. And then you get into politics, and it's, and I don't know if what you're just, I don't think what you're describing. Excuse me. Maybe this fucking beer. I gotta find another beer that don't make me burp. <laughs> I don't think of it as politics. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about is government, civics, civics. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, I, I was thinking about it recently. Um, politics to me, mm-hmm. I compare it to wrestling. I, I think of all these politicians as a wrestler. I think back in the day, it really had value and people were doing it because it was honorable and they had integrity and they were trying to preserve or progress you know, because both are important. Conservative and progressive ideas mm-hmm. are important because you can't stay stagnant. Right. But then you can't go too far too fast. So I think that politics really, I don't know, back in the day was a lot more important. Uh, but these days it literally feels like these two wrestlers that are backstage talking shit with each other. And, and then they go out to the public and it's all a facade. It's all fake. It's all for the wrong reasons. And it I don't think it's any different than it ever has been. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it, because, it, you know, it's interesting because, um, like, when you go back to George Washington's day. Okay. Um, he didn't want to serve a second term as president. And the reason he didn't want to is because he'd just come through the war. He took on the first term as president. And all he saw was people bickering over the scraps off the public table. And he did. I mean, he had it up to here. Well, yeah. But. That's why I say politics are different. People don't care anymore. They eat that up because they want to divide us. I look at I look at wrestling, mm-hmm. and they divide a stadium, right? And the more divisive it is, the more controversial, the more attention it'll get. Like the more, the, the more exciting it is, right? And it's it, it, that's why it feels so fake, uh, and that's why I compare it to wrestling. I I don't think it's people with the governments. I'm sorry, with the, I don't think it's individuals with, um. I don't think they have the people's best interest in mind. They have their own. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what scares me. Anybody that wants to be in the politics scares me right out of the gate because it's a leadership role. It's a huge responsibility to serve other mm-hmm. people. And um, I don't, I would never want that responsibility because I would take it seriously. It's not something mm-hmm. I think individuals want. They're, they're called to do it. They're chosen to do it. And it's any form of leadership. Let me turn this fan on. 
it's any form of leadership, whether mm-hmm. it's your job, your supervisor, you're a captain in the military. I mean, these are hard things if they're done properly, and it's not something people should seek out. I, you know, I, I think we have to have those people. I agree, <clears throat> but the ones that mm-hmm. are so, the ones that end up in it, a lot mm-hmm. of times are actually the worst. Well, there's, well, there's an old, there's an old saying: "Beware of the man." Who wants to? Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes. Beware the man who wants to uh, rule. Uh, what did what was the word? Um, who wants to rule benevolently because he still means to rule. Yeah, I mean that's ultimately what I'm saying. Like, uh, I, I don't want to make this whole thing about politics because yeah. really our conversations are really about life. We're both dads and husbands and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And somehow we because we, I'm curious. We weave that in. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm I, I I'm really into the psychology. Mm-hmm. of the political machine. And I try to understand why people would want to do it. And I, I just can't for the life of me understand mm-hmm. it. I mean, I think good leaders are um, don't want those responsibilities, but they'll do it because it's the right thing. It's a, it's sure. A, I think, okay, so I try to avoid leadership. But mm-hmm. then I say, well, you have a responsibility. Like you have something to offer. and and And, and I feel like, I'm shortchanging society in a way because I kind of like to blend in the shadows, you know, no, even I, when I was in the military. I totally get it. I guess from my perspective, the reason people need to learn civics yeah. is because everybody's got to look out for their own best interest. And if you're not involved in that process, then you're not looking out for your own best interest. You're just kind of coasting by. And these people, I mean, yeah, you're right. They're sharks. Yeah. And if you're not out there catching the sharks, then it's, it's tough to get control of them. Well, I mean, the machines now, it's almost too far gone. It's so far gone that even people with great intentions get swallowed up by it. Um, maybe. I didn't I'll tell you. This is the thing. What, when I started getting into party politics, I, I totally left the Republican Party because I started realizing that I was just there to serve the party. And they weren't going to give me any form of authority in this process at all. When I started actively engaging in the civics process... I started gaining a lot of authority, and so did my the people that I was uh, working with. And it was amazing how much influence we could have just by engaging the process. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, individuals need to be able to do that. And I'm, I'm certain that not all individuals want to. Well, you found, well, I mean, there was something that sparked your interest. There oh, was yeah. a reason why. There was either some need or want for you to be even get involved what was the reason so all right so when obamacare came about um i was against the whole idea of centralizing that authority over the healthcare industry mm-hmm. um and so long story short uh i used to own an ambulance company my mba specialized in healthcare administration haven't worked in healthcare since but it's always been an important thing to me um so when obamacare came along i was like wow this is the move towards complete control over the healthcare system by the government and I just don't believe that that's the right thing. So I got involved in an issue called the Healthcare Compact at the Tennessee State Legislature, and the idea was to get the state of Tennessee to stand up to the federal government on this healthcare issue. Okay, so that's what got you fired up. That's yeah, what, that's what got you to researching how our government works, how the world spins. Absolutely, and what and I figured you're, you're, out. You're pretty excited about it. Like you, you get fired up. I mean, hell, you've been writing. Uh, hell, every time I seen you is putting pages down in a book. How far right. along are you in that? Oh, about Did you shelf it. No, I'm, I'm no, I haven't shelved it. I've actually got somebody I'm working with on it, but uh, I've got about thirty thousand words down. I've probably got about another twenty thousand to go. Wow, just we're just 
thoughts, ideas. Yep. Yeah. And wow. just trying to lay it all out in a way that's cogent and that people can read it and understand it where I'm not, you know, shooting over people's heads. Podcast. I'm, I was when I didn't even know you were doing a podcast. But I think that's one cool thing about podcasts is that mm-hmm. all this can be transcribed. Oh, absolutely. Like your voice could be separated from my voice and you could just transcribe <laughs> this over years and put it to Word and, and search all that stuff. And if you ever had an idea, you can see if you had ever said anything. Because usually, mm-hmm. you know, just, just just speaking off the tip of your tongue, some cool things might get said. And, you know, anyways, I'm kind of rambling now. But it's yeah, okay. I, I'm glad you're doing it. How often are you doing it? It just depends. It, 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 I kind of do it as the moment ca- takes me. You know, it's like... I feel you. Sometimes it's hard <laughs> to be consistent. Yeah. I've been taking advantage of... What was it? I had COVID. I didn't do it. It snowed. I didn't do it. Like, I'm looking for any reason not to do the podcast sometimes because mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of challenging, believe it or not, just kind of getting this stuff scheduled. And I'm lazy. I, I say it all the time. I'm super, super lazy. And I'm in this weird place. And I've just been enjoying not doing much. <laughs> but I, I can't let this go because I have a responsibility. I made a commitment. I'm going to keep doing it. Sure. And then once I start doing it, I get excited. You know, once I sit down for a conversation, I love it. And I end up leaving on a high and just like, wow, I'm glad I did that. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what this is or what it's going to be. And honestly, I didn't even know if what we was going to talk about. I knew we was going to get into civics and all that other stuff. And sure. I want to go more into it. And if you got something about it you want to share, that'd be great. But I had some questions whenever you get going. Go ahead with what you was wanting to say. No, no, no. Let's go with the questions. Because I'll tell you, you and I get into these conversations that are awesome. Well, they, we don't mean to. We don't plan them. No, but but we just get into them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, ideas start flowing. And, I mean, it's almost like we're foils off of each other on this. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if we would record every conversation we have. <laughs> some of them would probably not make the cut. Right. Um. But you never know what you're going to end up with. So one thing that's funny is I said Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about that earlier. I thought it was funny. You are, in fact, a captain in the U.S. The National U, Army National Guard. And it's funny. I'd known you for a year or two and in never the, knew. In the Tennessee State Guard. Tennessee State Guard. Okay. Right. I didn't know. what. Okay. Yep. So, um, but isn't that still the Army National Guard? Army, it's, Tennessee? Uh, Army? Ten- Tennessee breaks its guard up into two. Okay. Into well, that two. was what I was in. Yeah. And so, and so like, for example, I, I was on active duty in the U S army Yeah, and then this, the military department of Tennessee breaks their guard up into two sections. They've got the national guard, which takes national missions. And then they've got the state guard, which takes state. Well, missions. I guess I was national. I was army mm-hmm. national guard. Yeah. I didn't know there was a difference. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is that the, I thought national guard was intended to stay locally. No, they, can be well, they, 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 but, but they can be the federalized. Yeah. Yeah. I and, thought that was the point of the reserves. Oh yeah, it's sort of, but it's the, the the reserves do that. The National Guard does it. The National Guard uh, serves the state. The the governor is commander in chief and all that other sort of stuff. Tennessee breaks their guard up into the National Guard, which can be federalized. Like the president can call them up and send them to Afghanistan, right? Yeah. Um, what we but the do, the governor calls you up. Yeah, the governor calls us up, and we work with TEMA and you know all of that cool. sort of stuff. You know, national disaster kind of things. What was your MOS originally? Originally, I'm acted. Uh, what's that? What's your MOS now? I don't have an MOS okay. now. When you're, when you're an officer, they they go by. See how much of a fucking idiot I am? No, it's okay. <laughs> like, you know, it's so funny because I didn't know you were in the military. And then to mm-hmm. find out you was a captain was a little bit of a shock to me. I thought, I never talk about being in the military. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, 
anyways, to find out you was in, and then uh, in a captain on top, because mm-hmm. it's, it takes effort to 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 do things like that. You know what I mean? You got to put sure. a lot a lot of time in for the education because you went in as a, 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 a as an enlisted, almost, right? Yeah, as an e nothing, and yeah. and so the um, so I was a I was a combat heavy engineer um, on active duty. Uh, stationed over in Germany, and then uh, then did my last year at Fort Rucker, Alabama. Okay, came yeah. back, joined the guard, guard, state yep. guard, and uh, went to the. Would you go to the college? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had. I so I finished college on active duty. Yeah, and then when I came off, I used the GI Bill and Army College Fund to go get my MBA. Yeah. So when I came back to the guard, they were like, "Hey, you want to go to OCS?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, let's do it." Well, that's awesome, man. Well, yeah, I, I never got over you being a captain in the military. Because, anyways, I don't know why that's weird to me. It's just, I guess, because we had had so many conversations, and then out of the blue, oh yeah, you're, somebody's like, oh yeah, he's a captain. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, he's a captain. <laughs> Good friend of mine was a major. Uh, my neighbor was a uh, colonel, mm-hmm. the guy that lives next to where he, he moved a couple years ago. Uh, he's a colonel. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for the military, even though mm-hmm. I was a terrible soldier. I mean, I was okay. I just didn't have, I didn't take it too seriously. I didn't take the rank and stuff too seriously and um, ended up having a good career. And I'm not going to get into my military career. I've talked about it a couple of times here, but uh, uh, I, a lot of people are shocked when they find out I was in the military because I'd never told anybody. Right. Because I never got deployed. I never did anything cool. Nothing. So, you know, six years of piddling. I got you. you know, I mean, here's the, here's the, th- here's the deal. So, I missed the military. When I was on active duty, I hated it. There was what I hated was somebody being over top of me making sure that I was safe and okay. I always wanted that to be my responsibility, not somebody else's. And that was very difficult for me to accept. Um, but what I didn't realize is that when I came off of active duty, I had a really difficult time transitioning back into civilian life. I was used to that regimented life. I was used to um I was used to people being serious about their jobs, paying attention to detail, structure. Yeah. And I came out and nobody was like that in the civilian side. And it just drove me insane. Or in the guard. (laughs) Any of the guards I was in, it was very laid back. No, I got you. So, but I mean, that was, that was something that I had a very difficult time dealing with. I, I opened up an ambulance company and started, started running an ambulance company and I would hire people and they wouldn't pay that attention to detail. And it drove, it drove, oh man, it drove me insane. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, how many more years you got before you get out? Oh, that's a good question. I'm, I don't know when I want to retire my, my commission. That's, I enjoy what I'm doing and I, I like it and I love, I love the culture of it. I miss when I'm not with soldiers, I miss soldiers. And yeah. so. That's for me. It's not about the job and when can I get out anymore. It's really more about being in the culture and being with people that I know who have the same values. Yeah. Well, one thing I was thinking about, one thing that's come up a lot with us, and I don't know if you're willing to talk about it because I didn't tell you what, what you know, you didn't have a clue what we was going to talk about. But family, something that comes up a lot, relationships. Sure. Yeah. I don't know how much of that you can go into or even feel comfortable, or we can avoid it entirely. No, it's okay. I see you're still wearing a ring. Yeah, but you know I'm in the middle of a divorce and all yeah. that sort of well, stuff. I know, I know. And, and we're, you know, I've got a 21-year-old daughter, and I've got a, a 17, almost 18-year-old son. And for me, I would do just about anything to avoid the divorce because you don't you don't get married to get divorced, and I don't want to hurt the kids. And But I've, I've come to a point where, I'm okay with it now in the sense that 
it doesn't hurt me at this point. It only hurts them. And I would do anything not to hurt them. But, I mean, if she's out, she's out. Well, I mean, I think at one time you were out too. Yeah. See, I've been on both. I've, I've heard. I, I, I think that's where our friendship um, kind of grew from. And I was driving home today. I was saying, oh, I know what to talk about. Because you'd heard me talk about my experiences when I left, you know. Yep. And uh, we talked to each other a lot. Like, mm-hmm. you were hearing what I was going through. And I guess you knew that you were about to be going through, mm-hmm. you know, a separation. I guess that's where a lot of our conversations come from and philosophy and ideas and sure. Well, I've seen down. you up and I've seen you down, mm-hmm. but you know, you went through a pretty hard time there for a little bit, you know, a lot of uncertainty because it was like, okay, it's official. We're actually getting a fucking divorce. Cause it's, it's, you know, until it's confirmed, you just, you know, right. Whatever. You're not too worried about it, I guess. But once it was confirmed, you went through a pretty fucking uncertain patch. I remember feeling it around you mm-hmm. never was you on uh, you know it never was you it was never like um what is the word i'm looking for it, whatever you were always a pleasure to be around it, well, was, it never felt bad but it did mm-hmm. feel hard i felt bad for you a lot because i went through it too i, f- I went through it too you know mm-hmm. the, the, you know when i was ready to come home my wife was like no i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> baby i'm healed <laughs> anyways uh it was a really hard thing, but I learned so much through all of it, you know, mm-hmm. getting hurt and getting devastated. You know what I mean? So anyways, what I was going to say was, is that, you know, yours is not official, but here you are, you're back up here. You feel mm-hmm. good. And I was like, okay, this motherfucker didn't lay down and die. Like, <laughs> so your experience, you know, if you want to talk about it a little bit, no, you know? that's fine. Yeah. You'd like I think this is the problem. So many people out there, so many uh-huh. men, especially, and I can't speak for women. I mean, women go through their own struggles and they, they, they I, this ain't about them. If they want to come on and talk about it, I'm all happy. Then come on. But for men, too many men are men are killing themselves, losing everything, mm-hmm. destroying everything, and uh, it's like, man, it, you you can come out of this. It's not the end of the world. Well, and and for me, I think I think you're right. Resilience is is an important thing, and I I think that's one of the things that the army taught me more than anything. I always say that the army taught me more than anything is how to suffer. And what they did was they pushed my bounds of suffering so far out that I have a very difficult time suffering in a lot of ways anymore. And I think that that was part of the downfall of my marriage in in some ways, just because I think that uh, I, I, I'll take responsibility for it. I did a lot of things in my marriage that destroyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll take absolute responsibility for that. But at the same time, you're right. It's a learning experience. And when I was going through really the meat of it, it was very difficult. It was hard mentally and emotionally. And you're still going through it, but you're yeah. But I'm much better stable. now. Yes, much better I, now. I, have you got to a, a point of acceptance? Yeah. I, okay, so that's really the key. If You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's That was key for me was, okay, it just <clears throat> is what it is. You know, that's all... That's a hard thing to get to. It just once it happens, it just happens. Yes, and and here's the thing: is I'm looking forward to the independence. Well, this is why I want to talk about it a lot mm-hmm. because I think about you know one thing I don't talk about. I mean, I guess I do talk about it here a lot, but I don't really ever go into detail about my thoughts on relationships mm-hmm. and um, love and all these things. Although I have plenty of philosophies, and I, I can sit down and have a conversation with anybody about these ideas, but it's really mm-hmm. hard to go into without somebody asking me questions. So sure. but one thing I think about a lot is um, why we get married, 
when we get married, um, how we get honestly trapped and, and how I, I, I think a lot of times divorce is, I know they say, Oh, it's just the beginning, but I, I truly believe that because we're fucking idiots. When we, when we <laughs> fall in love for the first time, you were young, we're desperate. You know, there's all these hormones are going the loneliness. through society. The societal, the societal norm is suggesting, mm-hmm. you know, get married, have kids because it's just the way it is. And, and I do think it's critically important. Um, but you know, when we do get married, you know, uh, man, do I even want to go into all those things? You know, I talk about sure. spinning plates a lot and stuff and the importance of that and it putting and for men and women. I, I didn't a lot of people think, oh, this is a man is men men should do that. No, women should do it, men should do it. You should have options. It's called dating back in the day. Right. And for whatever reason you can't it's so weird to me that, that people are so threatened. If you're dating yeah, other well, people, well, one of well, one of the things that you turned me on to is Rollo Tomasi's book, yeah, and and the Rational Male, yeah, the Rational Male, wonderful book, and and when I read it, it, it made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, one of the pro- one of the problems we have, I think, in a lot of ways, is our own insecurities. That's at the top of the list. Yes, and and so and so, what ends up happening is we meet one person mm-hmm. and we start dating them or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's like exclusive. Out of nowhere. Yes. And and that so is, why does it have to be exclusive? Why can't That's a very we... beta mindset. Well, because you're because out of fear of losing her to someone else, you'll hold on to her and she'll hold on to you. Because what if sometime oh God, you know what I yeah. mean? Out of fear of being alone. Yeah, no, I totally Period. get it. And and here's the thing is that once you get good with yourself and being alone, yeah. You don't have to be subject to that anymore. And I've seen the flip side of that too. Like uh, I can, I, I know people that are okay being alone and have no desire to date, which is not healthy. They've been burned, right? And they they they're mm-hmm. doing it um, out, uh, to protect their ego, and their, mm-hmm. their, their 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 own mental stability. That's not healthy either. It's it's putting yourself out there to be rejected, dating multiple people, and they call mm-hmm. it spinning plates these days. Used to it's called. Uh, dating yeah. and spinning plates for anybody that doesn't know is literally just uh, the thought of holding a stick up. How many plates can you spin on the stick until they start to fall and break? And if your mm-hmm. number's three, four, five, good for you. You know, date as many people as possible, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's it. That's the key, and that puts you in a position that you're not desperate. You're not calling. I look at it like this: if you were my best friend, my only friend. I'm going to be a desperate motherfucker and find out what you're doing on Friday, Saturday, <laughs> how you want to hang out on Sunday, right? Right, yeah. Well, that is desperate. That is very unattractive, mm-hmm. right? So Agreed. dating should be exactly the same thing. But until you figure out mm-hmm. who are you compatible with, and it, it gives you an option to find out. It gives you the time to figure out how to find someone that has a high value. We call it the SMV, sexual mm-hmm. market value. Right. Because we live in the sexual marketplace, and that's mm-hmm. what it is. I don't if it's offensive it's offensive but it's an idea it's a philosophy and how do you increase your sexual market value you feel good about who you are yeah you understand hey i'm not desperate i i i don't have to always be available i can spend time with my family my friends you know and i can get to know people i get to know me and 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 so what happens is oh i just heard something mess up anyways what happens is we date one. Mm-hmm. We don't. We're not. We're twenty <clears throat> years old. We don't want to settle down. We like being single. We like to hunt. Mm-hmm. We like our freedom. 
Well, the girl's ready to get married, you know, and you can't blame them, you know? Yeah, and, and, and I imagine especially at my age. I mean, I'm 51. And so you've got a lot of women out there who are this age, and they, you're right, they feel desperate to. Well, they, at, I don't want to speak for all women, but right. there's this instinct, this biological instinct that the body has in females. It's just the way we're wired, mm-hmm. females at least, to procreate, to have, to have a child, mm-hmm. you know? And so that tick, that's why there's so much pressure to get, find their man, get married, reproduce, right? And, well, and we did our part, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm trying to say is, look, I think what happens is that that guy, for instance, let's say this one individual that's not ready to get married, she says... Well, fine. Bye. <laughs> he gets desperate and says, wait. <laughs> it's in every movie, right? Yeah. Every no, movie's totally like, wait. And, and he, he, out of desperation, instead of saying, okay, well, good luck. I hope we meet again. Respectfully to yourself and respectfully to her, mm-hmm. you know, go out and, and, and see, you know? Right. And, and that's the thing is, how do you know who you're going to be compatible with unless you are spinning plates? Yeah. You, yeah. You got to, you've got to meet a number of people. Before yes. you find that one that you just click with. Yes. And even then, don't be desperate. Keep yeah. a few plates available. Keep a few people in your circle that you're not. Because if you become overwhelming and you smother that individual, you. Now you lose your value. Yeah. Your value dies. And <laughs> if she does the same thing, if she doesn't maintain her value and now she becomes desperate, you know what I mean? It's like yep. you lose your self-respect as an individual. This is all about self-respect. Mm-hmm. Not respecting others. It's just self-respect on a female and a male. Like, how much do I respect myself? What is my value? What? How do mm-hmm. I feel about me? Am I so desperate that I have to marry this person? Right? Well, to a degree, I think I think there's a, a place in time when you meet somebody and you just click. I agree. And it's, it's sort of like you're the yin and yang of each other. And yeah. at that moment in time, then you you still are maintaining your value as a human being. But you're doing it by now being together with another human being. And, and we were talking about leadership earlier. You know, my, in my mind, leadership is about taking care of people. And so now all of a sudden you've got somebody that you, are, that you want to take care of, that you want what's best for them and all of that sort of stuff. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be right there all the time on their heels. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still maintain your life and your dignity and all of that sort of stuff. You can have friends and go do things. Yeah. And matter of fact, you... It, Go ahead. Keep going. No, That's I said, good. That's good. yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but, but now you've got somebody else in your life that you want to you be. You want to share for. it. Yes. That's the beauty of life. It's, it's mm-hmm. not accomplishing things. It's not <clears throat> purchasing and owning and conquering. It's sharing. That's the beauty of a life. And you, you were talking about leadership. The most important, you know, the, 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 the thought, I, these are very complicated things that we're discussing. None of these are facts. These are all ideas and mm-hmm. thoughts and it's, it's very gray it's very complicated this is not black and white and i don't want to make it sound simple but you were saying something about leadership is you know taking care of others but i think without a doubt when i talk about self-respect what i'm talking about is taking care of myself first my own mental health my own happiness my mm-hmm. own um i have to be a good version of me before mm-hmm. I can ever be a good version for someone else. Like I cannot provide value in other people's lives if I'm not emotionally stable. Right. Well, in, in working in EMS, yeah. one of the, one of the things that you know is that your safety is primary because you can't help somebody if you become a victim. Yeah. And so I think what we're talking about really is kind of that mindset. Yeah. I can't lead somebody. I can't take care of them if I can't take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And so what I'm, 
But what we're talking about is, and what I think I'm, it's it's just not being so eager to jump mm-hmm. in, right? There's nothing wrong with marriage. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But if you were pressured into it, if you felt pressured, that's not good, man. It should mm-hmm. be a very mutual, okay, listen, I've tried to spend time without this person and I, I can't. Mm-hmm. I try to spend time with another person, but it's just not the same. It's a, okay, I've mm-hmm. narrowed it down to this one right here. He, she, whatever. This is it. I mm-hmm. want to invest here and I'll stop investing everywhere else. It's just, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's called a consummate. Right. That's what it is. It's, it's called a consummate. And um, it's a beautiful thing. But here's the deal. 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. No, I actually think this. I actually believe that if, if, if that thing ever happened, that true mm-hmm. love, that consummate, and we can talk about that someday if we want to. It's the why. It's the why of my Steinberg triangle, I think is what it is. The Steinberg theory. I call it the why of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you ever had that, really, you know, that true love. And when I say true love, I ain't talking about Hollywood's version of true love. No, I'm talking okay. about passion, intimacy, and dedication. Mm-hmm. If you ever possess those three things at any point, you know, that's, uh, uh, and a lot of people do. But I think if you ever did, I think you can maintain it. I think we lose that because we lose our self-respect and we become dependent on the other person. We become needy, clingy, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're not really living our best life. We, we, we fall into a rut. We do a job. We lose our f- passion for life, our curiosity. We give up on the things that made us feel good, the, the adventure. Like men are mm-hmm. conquerors. You know, we want to go climb mountains. And, you know, you know, it's very healthy. And then women, whatever makes women tick, they give up on that too. Once they have their kids, they're like, well, what now? Because their only drive, a lot of times, for a lot of women was to get married and have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and security. It's very important. <clears throat> it's part of our evolution. But that's not the end. Pick up art, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, try new things. And if you can keep growing as an individual, I truly believe that that, that special thing that, the, 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 that caused that consummate in the beginning, because they were both doing what was best for them in life when they met a lot of times. Yeah. That's well, that's a good relationship. Oh no, I agree, and I but I think there's also an element of having trust in somebody, and 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 being so trusting that they can know you at your deepest and darkest 100%. moments. And you know, here's the thing: is that we're we're all human beings, and so we have times when we stand and we're, you know, people look up to us. We have times when we are at our worst, yep. and when you can find those people or you know that person who, when you are at your worst instead of abandoning you says here take my hand i know what you're saying um that's a, that's a good point let's say that if um i think life's an investment everything's mm-hmm. an investment this conversation is an investment the, of the relationship i have with my wife and my children they're all investments and once i realize this is mm-hmm. a bad investment mm-hmm. that's what i did i realized uh, me and my wife have been together for 18 years and i thought it's a bad investment. We just weren't going the same place. You know what I mean? Where our paths had split and um, we had just lost touch. And when you're together in it, it's very, very difficult to self-reflect. Well, like I'm, living in the same house and and, 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 and and me and my wife have always had a beautiful relationship. We never argue. Fight. I mean, yeah, we argue about the dumbest shit, but not anything important in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but separating was the best thing that ever happened to us because it just it only took a, and this is why. So negative and positive emotions. Positive mm-hmm. emotions last a lifetime. Any good thing, a memory, it lasts forever. But a negative emotion, it doesn't last long 
as long as you're not in a situation that you keep stacking more negative emotions That's on top. That's exactly. And that was what I was going to say. After years and years and years of that, now all of a sudden you got a lot of water under the bridge. And it's just, it feels hopeless because mm-hmm. you lose trust. Yeah. Like you can't help. You like, you don't even, you despise one another. That's what happens. You resent. Mm-hmm. Once you resent someone, you know what I mean? And you resent each other. It's not just one person. You know, you, you ultimately resent each other. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing. Just a little 30 days. Just say, I'm committing to 30 days. I'm going over here. You go over there. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to see you. Right? And it, as long as you're not around each other for just long enough that the negative emotions start to go away and awesome memories start to reinforce nostalgia kicks in. Sure. And um, it's this beautiful swap. It happened to me. Like I, I went through that process, and I never thought it was possible. I thought, nope, it's over. It's it came to an end. There was no, we weren't mad at each other. It was like I just want to wish you luck, man. It was very pleasant, and um, it was a it was a wonderful experience. It's very healthy. But I understood the importance of mm-hmm. not investing anymore. I'm very big on this investment idea, and um, I was just done investing. I was mm-hmm. going to invest in. Something else, someone else, me, didn't matter. I was ready to move on to the next chapter of my life because I thought it was important for me to be happy. I thought it was important for her to be happy because how are we going to be good parents? You know how mm-hmm. you know what I mean? How are we going to function in society if and we take even care happy? of the kids and all that stuff? Yeah, I agreed. Yeah, and it was tough, man. But after a little bit of time, I started noticing little things, little memories started popping back up, things I'd long forgot about. And then after one day, I'm like, why did I leave? Like, I cannot remember what it is about her that pissed me off. Like, why did I ever resent her? I literally, for the life of me, could not remember any negative thoughts. And uh, we both kind of went through that. It was, anyways, it was a really wonderful experience. And, and it took moving out. It was, it was that important. Like, I had to go and get my own place. And mm-hmm. it only took a month or two. And bam, I was like, oh, my God. She's the most incredible thing ever. But <laughs> I burned her, you know, and she's mm-hmm. like, Oh, hell no. She she respected herself at that point mm-hmm. that she was not going to give me another chance. Like I really had to prove myself in a way. And, man, it was the greatest life lesson ever. Like, she was not <laughs> giving it. <laughs> I literally lost my fucking mind. It was the closest I ever come to checking myself into a hospital. Wow. Because I was having, like, panic attacks and anxiety. And my poor kids, they were trying to keep me sane. One minute I was okay, the next minute I'd lost my shit. And um, it was awful. It was the worst experience of my life. I was trying to get to a point of acceptance because I mm-hmm. understood all the psychology. I knew everything that was happening to me. I'd read about these things. I knew all these things were going to happen. Didn't matter. You are not in control of your emotions. You're just a, you're, <laughs> you're along for the ride. And you got to give those fuckers time to pass. Yes. And, and they, have, they have to percolate. Yeah. Um, and that's why I say I, I encourage a lot of people, move out. Give them space and, mm-hmm. uh, because that thing that you had, you can have again. But as long as you're stacking a negative emotion on top of each other every single day in the way that they don't look at you the same way, you take it personally, right? Mm-hmm. They say something that nobody fucking means these things. These are not you, you guys ain't bad people. You're just unhappy. You know what I mean? And yeah. I went through it too. Well, they, Anyways, a lot of people are going through it. And so what I'm trying to say is, is that, look, if it doesn't work out, fine. <laughs> Fucking nothing wrong with it. I have no problem. Even if my wife and I, I was completely mm-hmm. okay with us not working out. I thought, fuck, man, she's a beautiful woman. She gets another chance at life. I'm young. I feel good. I get another chance. We, it's a whole nother life. And I was excited about it. And so I, I, I just happened to get lucky. 
I happened to get lucky and I realized, oh, there was really not a legitimate reason for me to leave. I was just resentful. Ultimately. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think that that that's what happens. Yeah. And, and I we think, stay too long. We keep right. investing. But but the but the opposite of love is not hate. You got to you got to be interested in somebody enough to hate them. And it's the, the opposite of love is apathy. And you just get to a point where you don't care anymore. And I think that, you know, like we said, the, that layering of all those of all those things that just they, they suck you in. They make you resentful. They and, and now all of a sudden you start focusing on them and what it is that they're not yeah, doing to you make know. you happy. Yeah. And th- what you have to come to is the realization that it, they're not going to make you happy. They can't make they you. They shouldn't. You have to make yourself yes. happy. That's, you nailed it. Thank you so much. That was very, very important. Thanks. It was critical. That book helped. With oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the day I finished reading that book was the day I went and signed my lease. Really? You know, I was very open with my kids about all this. Like, I, I mm-hmm. mean, Brendan, was I not? I mean, we talked. I wanted them to understand what I was going through. I wasn't going crazy. There was nothing wrong with his mom. Um, it was um, it was life. Yeah. And everybody goes through it. And I thought it was very responsible. No, I thought it was very important to share it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I didn't want to lie to my kids and be like, no, life is supposed to be perfect. And you should stay with this person. No, if you're unhappy, you got to you got to think, is this a good investment? Well, am yeah. I putting my time in the rest? And you know what I mean? Am I making a mistake? Right. And and, and are you are you is this going to be beneficial for everybody? Well, look, it, it's not my responsibility to make someone else happy. Just right. like you said, they can't make you like I, once I that clicked for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't make anyone happy. There's nothing I can do to provide value in another person's life. Especially. If they're not being the best version of them, right? Or like, yes, you can help people, and but it's just, it's it's all for nothing in the long run, and you end up creating it, a lot of resentment. It all becomes short-term investments. Yes. Okay. I'm glad you said that. So funny you said that. I do not want to forget this topic. Short-term investments is something I've been gnawing on a lot lately. Okay. Um, but I I, I don't want to forget about it. But ultimately, I realized I couldn't do anything. Like she. People have their own issues. And it's really important to take some time apart. But people don't out of fear. People stay out of fear. And that's the problem. They they, they, they think, oh, well, as long as I'm here, they're here. Well, I think but, culturally, too. It's it's sort of like, there's sort of like a cultural norm, I guess, is a good way to say it, where, you know, if you're married to this person, this is what you yeah. need to be doing. You need to be there with them. True. I, I think psychologically, it's in, it's it's healthy to... Okay, so this is what we do. We wait too long. Mm-hmm. We wait too long. When there's the first indication that there's an imbalance, that's when we should say, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? What's going on here? I think mm-hmm. I'm going to withdraw in, until we figure this thing out. But we just let things go over and over and over, and that's what the point of the whole painting is for. It kills a marriage. Mm-hmm. Relationships. It's The whole point of that is to remind me to never, ever let things go. Nip that shit in the bud. I'm not yeah. saying have a, you know... It should always be a conflict, but if there's an imbalance, you should you should question. Hey, hey, there's something up. There's yeah, something well, up. let's well, figure out what this is. Well, there's another Talk piece to more. this. Communicate more. Right. Well, there's another piece to this, and that that's I, I think the best way I've ever heard it put was hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And so when you're hurting, yeah. you want to lash out at yeah. other people. It's how we satisfy. Our, yeah, that's it. Satisfying. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. But we, but we we wait too long, and this could be a whole podcast. This is something I do want to go further into because the death of all relationships. I truly believe is allowing things to slip. It's not worth addressing. We say, ah, 
I don't feel like fucking with that. I don't know why she's got an attitude. I don't know why he's such a dick tonight. And mm-hmm. why is he drinking so much? Why she shop so much? Like we don't, you know what I mean? We wonder these things and we, we build this resentment inside rather than mm-hmm. saying, Oh, they're unhappy. They're unhappy. And I'm unhappy. Right. It's really mm-hmm. hard for it, I don't, I, I, you can't tell me a relationship that's struggling mm-hmm. and one person's happy. Oh yeah, no agree. No, they're both fucking miserable, <laughs> and and they and, and they don't know why, and it's because of unresolved issues, little bitty things, little comments, having a bad day, like like my wife sent me an emoji yesterday with a facepalm, and I call her. Why would you send me the facepalm? Like, there's why would you do that? You mm-hmm. know, and I'm just getting better at addressing things, and I'm not good. I, I'm I'm trying. I'm practicing. I let things go for years because I didn't want to address it. I didn't want to deal with it, and inside resentment would build and I would just be angry. And then a week would go by or a day would go by. I let shit go pretty quickly. It would be gone. Everything's fine Mm -hmm. until one whisper (gasps) and I'm right there again. I'm on fucking guard instantly. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so it's because we don't address the little things. We don't nip it in the fucking bud. And I'll tell you for me, I always, I, I had a deep burning resentment for my wife that had lasted years. And and yeah, you're right. I was like, I was the guy who would like went on offense. Yeah. And I didn't even realize or think about a lot of the things that I said until one day, you know, after we agreed to get divorced and, you know, she's going to a psychologist for a little bit. And I find these sheets of paper where she had written everything that I almost verbatim for the things that I said to her. Yeah. And as I was like reading through that, I was like, I was like, holy shit, I did say these things yeah. and, and I did feel them and I did mean them yeah. in the moment. And it was like, wow, this is more me than it is her. Yeah. You know? No, it is. Yeah. And, and she has her own things, but we, sure. we're not allowed to discuss that. Yeah. We're, and, you know, she can do that on her own. And <clears throat> yeah. we hope we and wish and, the best. And, and I, yeah, I don't want to throw her shit in the street. Yeah. I, it's not. You what haven't I, been. I mean, uh, you went through your moment. I went through my moment. We sure. both like, fucking bitch <laughs> we all do and it's honest and it's just yeah. part of it but you're coming to a very good place um self re- self-reflection mm-hmm. a lot of personal responsibility um and it, it, it's something that you're already on the right track and you are are lucky enough i think in a way it's almost luck to, to say oh maybe it's me because <laughs> right. it's until you think that yourself, and yeah, you can't change like, it in you if you uh, don't know that. Yeah, it's you're totally fucking clueless to it. Your ego yeah. will not allow you to mm-hmm. see it. It puts you in a state of denial, mm-hmm. and denial is the most powerful thing a human being can go through. I mean, it's, it's it it can consume and, and, and it and destroys I, lives. And and I have to say, I mean, over these last couple of years, the the whole quote unquote gentlemen's club that we put together, mm-hmm. it's been like super beneficial for me to be around other men who, you know, talk about these things. And, and I mean, you and I have these conversations that get like almost mind blowing sometimes. And, but I mean, it's really kind of like the thing that I needed to be able to self-reflect and to look back on myself and say, wait a minute, am I being healthy? Am I being happy? Am I doing the things that are going to put me in a position where I can now stop focusing on myself and and look out towards others? Yeah. We have, uh, this little group has been healthy. Um, is different versions. Yes. What I love about it is I didn't know you was a captain. Yeah. Like nobody knows, you know, nobody gives a shit. We're just ordinary average people. Some people 
we're all different and but mm-hmm. we all you know some people seem like they got everything going I, I don't know it's just a beautiful mix and i do like that we share our experiences you know a lot mm-hmm. of back roads and kenneth came on he's going through a hard time right now and um, and i think it's important to share these things because man i'm gonna tell you there's so many fucking people out there that that don't feel comfortable talking about a struggling struggling relationship because sure. they feel like a failure well, and, and, and it is a failure of sorts, but at the same time, I've like like I said, you never learn through success, I and I think you know the reality is I, is you take a look at you, me, Garrett, TG, Kenny Speck, you know all these people, we're all imperfect, and but we all care enough about each other that we can open up on these subjects and talk through them and hard you, subjects. Oh yeah, we really. talk about things that are. We have so much. Re- I think it's built on respect, mm-hmm. and I truly feel like, which I I I, I gauge a room, and I, I I'm I've learned this skill of of being honest with people without being threatening. Yeah. Right. And it's because it's coming from my heart. It's because I I believe what I'm saying, and I, I believe I've experienced it, and and I'm also trying to learn. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to learn through what you're going through. And I'm trying to, oh, shit, I've done that. I know what he, I know what he's doing. And, right, it's easy to see someone else's. And then you say, well, if I'm thinking that, then they're thinking that. What I'm saying is, is we're all the fucking same. Oh, we're all going through the same things. And, and But I think, you know, the nice thing about our group is that, is that as dudes, we all have enough respect for each other mm-hmm. that we can open up and actually be vulnerable to each other and not have to worry about being attacked in that in that vulnerability. Yeah, no one feels threatened. And honestly, I, I you know, I don't know. I don't know what brought it all together. Um, we're just lucky. We Very are lucky. lucky. I mean, this, lucky. this a lot of people don't have this. Speaking of lucky, um, you you brought up short term games. I was thinking the other night. I just got back from Miami, and uh, I was highly disappointed in. Um, it was not what I had thought it would be. My perception was way different than the reality of Miami. I, I lived there when I was in my teens, and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a very struggling area, and um, I, I mean, literally, people shit on the sidewalk. <clears throat> oh yeah. And I, I was looking around, and I, I'm not really one to judge anymore. I've been listening to um, a podcast, not a podcast. It's a uh, it's a YouTube channel called Soft White Underbelly. So it's hard to watch. I mean, this guy's really, he's really done a good job at trying to, ex- I don't know about expose or put it out there for people to s- see the real struggle in life. Because I can tell you too many times I've been dismissive and I say, ah, bitch made a bad investment. He's mm-hmm. a bitch. That's a beta way of thinking. You know what I mean? I can easily dismiss people based on what I seen and felt in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, thinking about how they got to that point is a whole nother process that I've been going through. And I think maybe a lot of it, I narrowed down. I mean, it's complicated because mental abuse and and the way people are raised and the unfortunate circumstances, like people that have children that should not have fucking children. Mm -hmm. Right. And these kids don't even have a chance. And that's when I start thinking about privilege and anyways, um, Soft white underbelly. You start watching that, and you start realizing, oh my god, these people never had a fucking chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what fucks them is short-term gains cause long-term misery. And I seen that everywhere I looked. It was like quick high, 
quick buck. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've always knew that. I've instinctively knew the importance of earning. It is so powerful for what it does to the ego. It satisfies the body. The human body releases hormones that rewards the the. It rewards things that you've earned. Yes. No, I totally get that. And I think that there is there is an element to it, though, as well. Like when you start uh, investing in people and you're only investing in their short-term gains, you really don't have an investment in them. And so... I'm confused by that. You're saying as an individual investing in individuals... In other individuals. Sh- yeah, so so like, for example... Um, let me let me see if I can clarify that any. Um, I almost felt like you were referring to a um, um, a predator. No, like I almost felt that that was a predatorial, like oh sure, let me help you out. Here's a quick buck, and it's always a lose lose. Yeah, and 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 that's my point. I mean, um, I'm trying to think of the way my dad would say this, um, but you know, you can give something to somebody, mm-hmm. and you can sustain them for a day. So it's from the Bible. Teach a man to fish. There you go. Yeah, right. and but yeah, if unless you get them up on their own feet, yeah. doing their doing their their best for themselves, you're not helping them. So I I think you could measure um, the the hormones that are being released when something is being given to you. If I give mm-hmm. you a hundred dollars, it instantly releases this spike, this this huge spike of dopamine, mm-hmm. right? Which is the hormone for for reward. You're being rewarded. But it goes away just as fast. Sure. And and you you never put anybody into a better position by doing that. And yeah. They, the, they, you leave the, them the confused. Like, well, I was only happy for a minute. Like, I can't be happy. Am mm-hmm. I fucking bipolar? But that's the beauty of earning. That $100 goes and they're gone. They're, it's done. Well, the beauty of earning is I need to make $100. So instead of me giving you $100, I should give you an opportunity to make $100 mm-hmm. over the process of a day or a week. Right? So now here's the goal. Mm-hmm. Right, and I have to achieve these steps to reach that goal. So every time I achieve a step, I'm one closer, one step closer to my goal. By the time I get it, boom, I'm rewarded. Wow, I fucking stuck with that. Mm-hmm. Like the the emotional connection to that is so powerful, it becomes addictive. Just like going out and buying something is addictive because it gives you this instant high. I feel good, but it goes away. So I go buy something else, and that's the society. Like they we. We live in a society of consumers mm-hmm. because it satisfies that 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 dopamine hit. Right, the the, the immediate. Yeah, it's it's so unfortunate. You know, I, I love capitalism, but then I think about it. I think, oh, but it's designed to give people instant. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's it's being it's. I don't want to get into capitalism, socialism, communism, all the That's isms. Fine. But I think about them a lot, mm-hmm. and I think about there's two sides to every coin. Every fucking coin has another side. So mm-hmm. I don't care how good something looks, there's a flip side to it. And uh, the better it is for society, the worse it is for society on another spectrum. Because you see the top 1% have 90% of everything. And that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter if you're talking about communism, socialism, capitalism. It all ends up that way. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. it ends up a lot worse in a lot of situations. We can get into a lot of... Well, I, I think That's it, a whole other conversation. There's value in human achievement. And I think the, the reality is, is that... Yeah, you go out and you start something new, you suck at it, you you take those lessons, you learn them, and then you start be, to be able to create value for other people through your building of whatever your knowledge base is and what you are capable of, of, of accomplishing. There's a there's a book um, 
It's uh by it's called the man uh, the meaning the meaning of life man's meaning of happiness or whatever. It's, it's a bit written by a psychologist that was in the um and I've never read the book. I just know the premise of the book. I've listened to Jordan Peterson talk about it. A buddy mm-hmm. of mine, Tom Jones, talked about it, and I realized, oh my God, both of them had read that book. But um, I, I want to say that this 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 guy was in the 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 um the camps that the the. Um, Hitler's camps. What am I trying to you're say? The Holocaust. The, you're, okay, right. I thought so you're talking you, about the archipelago. No, no, that's okay. the Russian. Yeah. That's the Russian. I'm talking about um, the 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 Holocaust, where it, you know people went. To, one person would go to the gas chamber. One person would go to a factory, mm-hmm. right? And the reason why you would go to the gas chambers is you're not worth feeding. You you wouldn't produce value for mm-hmm. for the for the Germans. So they'd send you if you were capable. They'd send you to you know a factory so you can produce whatever they need. And the way it worked is. I think at the end of the day, every day, whoever the least productive individuals were would get hung, right? And so you just get rid of them. You know what I mean? Keep well. a fresh supply of people coming. And I, it sounds horrible. I mean, but for them, it was, I guess you could say it was, um, they were just, they weren't people. These were machines. These were right. substandard. They were just a dog to them. <clears throat> so anyways, um, the way he realized the people that survived were the ones that gave the most. The ones that hoarded their food were the ones that died the quickest. Interesting. And, and uh, he realized the ones that survived the whole process was the ones that gave away their part of their rations. And he understood the value of giving, like that reward system, the dopamine, the, the way the, the human body, because what happens is if, if you're stingy, you release a lot of cortisol, which is the number one cause of death, right? I mean, you, you know what I mean? You're hoarding. It's a stress hormone. Yeah. So he just figured out that, the, you know, power of giving and sharing. And that's what I talk about. Like, you can achieve everything in the world, but a life not shared is miserable. And sharing it is, but it's a, but it's a very fine line. Like, you got to be mm-hmm. careful with sharing. You got to share, like, you can't give people things. You got to give them opportunities, not, does that make sense? It's yes. very, it's a very hard thing. And, and, and here's, and here's the thing. I think, you know, when you think about the people in your life, when you're when you're on your deathbed, is it is it uh, is it the gifts that you've gotten that you remember, or is it it's Good it's point. really gonna be the it's gonna be the experiences that you have with these people? I did, I did a test on my oldest son. Mm-hmm. I said him now we were at a restaurant one day, and I said hey, maybe he was about 17, 18. I'm always experimenting on my kids. Mm-hmm. Like they are one big ass science experiment. <clears throat> and uh, I said Dakota, tell me everything you remember. Just give me, give me everything. Just lay it out. I don't give a shit what it is. Just anything from your past. Tell me everything you remember. And man, he started spitting one thing after another. It was vacations. It was, um, it was uh, things that he had purchased, um, meaningful things that he had purchased. The point is that everything he remembered was something that he had earned. Life experiences, earning. He never remembered a cell phone that I gave him. Mm-hmm. He never remembered anything that he was ever just given. But mm-hmm. when you associate like a smell and a sight or a smell, you know what I'm saying? A taste and a smell. Mm-hmm. When those two things are combined, the, the memory is so powerful. And I think that's what earning gives you. It's a process that you can associate with an outcome. Mm-hmm. And it's buried in you forever. It's so powerful. And then once you get that state of mind, you're like, no, no, no. I want to make it on my own. And you become productive. And then you can share that productivity. Absolutely. Know? and I, I, But I think also in terms of... In terms of the experiences, you know, it's that's like the ultimate investment that you can make in somebody. 
So so now all of a sudden you start talking about vacations or you start talking camping trips or going or, or whatever. It's That's that time spent that becomes a long-term investment in somebody yeah. that, that later on, that feeling that they had becomes what's important to them in terms of you. Yeah. And so like, for example, my, my son, when he was young, we in the Boy Scouts together and we do a lot of camping trips and all that other sort of stuff that made him part of who he is today. And it was that investment in him. Um, last year I got both my kids certified in scuba diving because I'm, oh, yes. I'm yeah. a, I'm, I'm a patty dive master. Right. And so anyway, from that standpoint, I know that that's going to be something that, that we, you know, going forward can share together. My daughter's a marine biology major mm-hmm. in college. And so, I plan to take her shark diving, um, you know, and, and do things like that that are that are going to be very experiential, so that they can learn the value of that. They can learn, you know, and I think the I think the things that I've always wanted my kids to have. I always wanted them number one to have a good work ethic. Number two, I always wanted them to have a faith, so that they had something to hold on to when when you know I couldn't be there. But then I wanted to give them the best education I could possibly give them because that's the one thing nobody can ever steal from you is what's in your head. Mm-hmm. And so from that standpoint, then I, I want to surround that with those experiences so that as they grow and develop as people, they start to realize the value of that and now can start making those investments in their kids and their families, whatever. So that becomes something that becomes part of them. Yeah. You know, I think, I think when you take a look at lonely people, the reason they're lonely is because they're not investing in other people. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, from that, that's one of the tough things when I, when I actually get out on my own in my own apartment, uh, hold on real quick. Yeah. You made me think about something. You know, I can also see the loneliest people are the, also the ones that invest the most in other people. Now this is a problem. What I'm talking about is, have you seen a, a female or a man? Do you know a man or a woman? that um, does everything in the world for other people. They're always there for so-and-so. Yes, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. But those about. people are also lonely, mm-hmm. right? And so there's two opposite extremes, right? You have the black and the white, the people that don't give it all and the people that give everything, mm-hmm. right? I think they're both very lonely. Well, and the people who give everything. Well, I have a theory on it. Go ahead. Okay, no, go ahead. They don't have self-respect. They give, they love in the hopes that they are going to be loved. Like they are, they are willing, like they want it reciprocated so bad and they just keep giving and giving and giving and they get tired of getting burned over and over. Mm -hmm. And I analyze these people all the time. I talk to a lot of these individuals that are constantly giving and never getting anything reciprocated and it breaks my heart. It's like, stop giving. If -hmm. they don't appreciate your value, you're making a bad investment, right? Right. And you deserve to be taken advantage of because you're so desperate that you need affection, love, attention. Um, you need these things so bad that you keep giving it in the hopes that you get it back. And that is not, that Healthy. does not give you a high SMV, sexual right. market value. That is not attractive. That mm-hmm. is desperate. And you need to understand that you need to make smart investments. And if they don't appreciate it, withdraw your investment. It's okay to give. Mm-hmm. But if the moment they don't, appreciate it you stop <laughs> you know it's I, simple I, and, and it's funny because um i once heard it said um it, it was a lesson that i learned a long time ago 
was the limit for this person who told me this. But basically the deal was is if somebody in your family wants to borrow money, say they want $1,000, give them 500 bucks. And then if somebody else wants just $100, give them 500 bucks. And the reason being is because $500 was a high enough value, a, a high enough price, that they would almost never pay it back. And so they never wanted to come back and ask you for money again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody gave you a hundred bucks, they, you know, they, eventually they could pay that back and they'd come back to you later for more money. Yeah. But, you know, basically the idea was 500 bucks was like too yeah, high of a limit. They can't compete with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that happens too much. I mean, I see both the spectrums and, mm-hmm. I, and that's what I talk about a lot now is um, I'm starting to understand that I don't know shit anymore. I don't, I don't know shit. Like, I've learned now that, oh, fuck, what I thought was white is not white. What I thought was black is not black. What I thought was truth is more complicated than I was told or what I was led to believe. And I realized it's a spectrum. It's Mm -hmm. this gray area. It's to what degree. It depends on the circumstances, the time of day, the temperature, like the, 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 the feeling of the room, like what is going on. You have to take a lot of things in account. So I, I don't like giving advice like anymore. Like, oh, it's just this simple. No, nothing is that simple anymore. Um, even when it comes down to truth, right and wrong. Sometimes I see too often, oh, I can measure that and say, well, on this circumstance, you get what I mean? Anyways, yep, it's, I totally um, do. life is complicated and I, I don't want to shortchange it anymore. I want to spend more time trying to understand why people are in the situations they're in rather than sit back and say, well, it's because of this. It's because you're shitting on the sidewalk is why they won't give you a job. No. Why are they shitting on the sidewalk? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and here's, and, and here's the mind blowing thing for me is the, is the word justice. So, you know, when, so we talk about, you know, we dabbled in politics earlier with a right. I, I never really understood what a right was and, like a human right. Yeah. And, and I mean, we all have this understanding kind of of what a right is. Um, some people believe that they come from somewhere. But I was like, one day I was sitting there trying to figure it out. And I went and, and looked up the, the term right in the dictionary. And it said a just claim to something. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I can accept that. But then what blew me away was, okay, who defines just? Yeah. And then that's where you get into the right and wrong. and, and it's complicated. It is. You know, I, I'll spend weeks, months on this thing of um, you have no rights. You get what you deserve, you know, um, and I can be very extreme. And it, it all makes sense to me. Oh, my God, that's the answer. It's all on you, you know, and yes. I can gnaw on that for weeks and it all starts making sense. And I'm like, yep, that's it. And I and then and then I see something like um, uh, what was soft white underbelly. And I was like, oh, I think about this. You know, I, I can get into religion and people talk about, well, man has free will. And I don't know if this will make sense. And, and, and maybe this is a bad association, but people mm-hmm. talk about, well, murder and this and that and rape. And they say, oh, well, he had free will. He shouldn't have done it. And I think, well, what happened to the kid? You know, the victim. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jessica Lunsfords, the Adam Walshes, you know, these kids that I've spent too much time thinking about. And I say, well, what was their free will? Why was I saying all that? Rights. It's like, oh, wait. <laughs> they didn't have no right. Well, I, they, I, I'm they saying have... that it's, it's not as simple. Like, like, 
Well, like for example, you have a right to your life. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know. But the but it doesn't mean that I don't have the ability to take it. Yeah, yeah. It, I, 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 the more I think I understand things, the more I realize, oh fuck no, I'm back at square one, and, <laughs> yes. and I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> and like we're a species that's evolving. And we stopped evolving physically because mm-hmm. we met all our basic needs. Shelter, food, water. Well, actually. You're getting into Maslow's shelter. hierarchy of need. Yeah, we, we, we've satisfied those needs. So we've stopped evolving, except for we're yeah. evolving out. <laughs> right. You know? But we, we're mentally evolving. So every year they have to raise the IQ. Like the 100 is the baseline. Mm-hmm. Every year they have to make the test harder because we're, we're getting smarter. We're mm-hmm. retaining more information. We're processing things faster. So we are becoming more intelligent. We just haven't caught up with, are there's you, a lot going on. We're 10,000 years away from being what we want to be today. Are you are you familiar with Abraham Maslow? No. Okay, so Abraham Maslow was a kind of social scientist. Came up with something called Maslow's hierarchy of need. And so like at the very bottom is safety needs. All right, and then and then that's like the foundation. That's the foundation. It's a pyramid. Yeah, oh, well, I measure everything in pyramid. Yeah. A hierarchy. It's a hierarchy. It's, it's a hierarchy. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so security. If you yeah. if you are not safe, you're not worried about any other need. Yeah. Right. But once you're safe, now all of a sudden you get into you know uh, physical needs, things like food, water, shelter, you know that sort of thing. And as you climb Maslow's hierarchy, the very tip is what they call is what he calls self actualization. And we've now lived in a society where we have been so safe, we've been so fed, we've been taking, you know, that really this is now where we're really getting into that self-actualization kind of uh, discussions. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're, st- we're evolving. Um, have you have you heard the term that uh, mankind doesn't seek freedom, they seek safety or, or security? I believe mm-hmm. in that. Like, people love structure. We don't... We- Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation. I, I do a lot of research on the Gulag Archipelago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a four volume. The book's like 12, 1300 pages. It's four mm-hmm. volumes, three or four volumes. And I've not even made it to the first one. This is a very Deep. complex. Yes. Anyways, I don't want to get into that, but that's a whole nother conversation I'd love to talk about because I haven't really mm-hmm. shared it. I've never shared it with too many people, you know, what human beings are capable of within our lifetimes. And mm-hmm. how, how long have we been going? Okay, I am trying to wrap these things up in an hour. Okay, that how do you works. feel? You think we got in a good spot? Yeah, I've really enjoyed myself, and I had no I idea it was going to go here. I guess we always had a good conversation, and I think we touched on a bunch of things that I would really wanted to go back and revisit. Mm-hmm. And I know I'll hear or listen or see this whole thing again, um, but I, I I really liked where we were going. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I really like the relationship. Our conversations, stuff. our conversations are like that. I like being, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable. It it's is hard to it's hard to put your put it out there that oh my relationship wasn't all that great. So many people thought, uh, and I think it too. I have the greatest relationship mm-hmm. I, I know of, and it still was well, flawed. Well, one of the, well one of the things that I've learned through this is the one of the most alpha things you can do is be vulnerable, and it's 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 one of those things where once you are comfortable in yourself that much that. You know, you can be out there, and I'm not talking about the guy who like goes and complains to everybody. No, I'm, no. I'm just saying that when you're willing to put yourself out Is that there, something we've talked a lot be about because uh, I've always talking about alpha and beta. And I don't philosophy. Have I gone? Have we talked about that? We should go into that because I got some ideas on that. But you're right. Yeah. You're a thousand percent right. Alpha is a state of mind, mm-hmm. and it's a confidence in yourself. That's really what it is. It's not a male thing or a female thing. This is not right. a dominant thing. Alpha and beta is no. I believe 
Yes, you know? and, and and that's the thing is a lot of people think alphas are just dominant, and that's not necessarily well, that's the perception that Hollywood and people have given us. But they right. got it all wrong. But alphas are just they're so comfortable in themselves that yeah. that it's they're the okay. quiet person that doesn't really care what you think. <laughs> yeah, you know what in I mean. Light, that's the alpha, exactly. the, the one that's not trying. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to think that uh, we've always thought that extroverted people were confident people, introverted people were, you know, um, insecure. And then I thought about it. It was maybe eight, ten years ago. I was thinking, oh, you know what? I think I'm backwards. I think introverted people are the most confident in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. they don't seek the attention of other people. They don't seek other people's. Um, 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 They're not would, needy. Yeah, yeah. They they don't need that. You're. They. I don't need. They don't need your um, approval. And I'm a very extroverted person. Started out mm-hmm. a very introverted person as a kid, and I grew into an extroverted individual. And uh, I see myself becoming more and more introverted because I started realizing, oh, I'm extroverted because I sought attention. I love the high of making people laugh and, you know what I mean, to, f- to feel needed, wanted, appreciated was almost, you know, it's just part of being a human. It's just part sure. of being a human. There's nothing wrong with these things. Like these things have value. Mm-hmm. Extroverted. Insecurities can be used to advantage. Your greatest strength is always the flip side of every coin. Mm-hmm. I truly believe whatever you're great at is also what makes you terrible. You got to be able to see the things you're not good at. Anyways, it's about finding balance. You know, everything mm-hmm. about me is about balance. And um, anyways, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you the, the best advice anybody ever gave me. This is good. This yeah. is very one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And Nowhere, so go ahead. When, no, when I, when I had the ambulance company, there was a, a lady I used to transport quite, a, quite often. I'd take her like to, to doctor's appointments and whatnot. And we would get into these deep discussions, and she was, I guess she was almost 70 at the time, and what she said to me was, you know, when we're in our 20s, we're constantly worried about what other people are thinking about us. And so she said that, but when you're in your 40s, you run around actively not giving a damn about what other people think about you. She says, when you hit your 60s, you start to realize nobody was ever thinking about you in the first place. And it's it's that mindset of the 20s. When you start to realize, you know, when you think back to it. So when you're constantly running around worried about what other people are thinking about you, they're all doing the same thing. Yeah. And so nobody, nobody's actually thinking about you in that place. And so you spend a lot of time wasting time. And then when you get to your 40s, running around actively not giving a damn about what other people, it's still, it's still a focus in on yourself. It's not, and, and when you start to realize that nobody's ever thinking about you in the first place, it frees you. It's so immensely freeing because now you can start to not worry about yourself and focus on other people and, and, and the knowledge that they can give you and, and the things that, that you, know, you can actually build with people is amazing. I love what you're saying, and I agree with every bit of it. It's not even something that switches. Mm-hmm. It's something that's always happening. Mm-hmm. Because you can be 60, and you're still becoming less and less worried. You know what I mean? The yes. older you get, the less you care. But it's narcissism. Yes. You know, there's all these six rules, there's six ways to know your man's a narcissist. Well, guess what? I can tell you. He is. Yep. So are you. Everyone <laughs> is. The most narcissistic people on the planet are children, because people, children think... You know, they are the reason why the sun rises and falls. They are the reason mm-hmm. why they th- children think that they are the reason why parents get divorced. They think people revolve around them. And as you get older, you become less narcissistic. And it's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Now, some people are more narcissistic. Those are individuals that think they're that important. They think people actually care. 
And the more you believe people care about what you're doing, saying, thinking, that's just a better indication that you suffer from more narcissism. Your ego is mm -hmm. bigger than most. And it's something to be aware of and say, okay, well, why? Where does that come from? Mm -hmm. And then you work on understanding why you need other people to accept you. And then once you start understanding why, then that starts to drop. And I think that's what's happened naturally through 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Those, mm -hmm. These things happen naturally. But boy, you can really accelerate the process if you do a lot of self-reflecting. Mm -hmm. No one researches psychology. They, you know, forever they thought it was a silly thing. I did when I was a kid. I thought, oh, psychology. Fools. You know, and, and a lot of them are. A lot of them are like, hey, yeah. four years, shit, I can make $60,000. I'm going to be a psychologist. They don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. Do your own research. Like, you wanted to know about civics, you go out and figure it out yourself. That's mm -hmm. me with psychology. I, I wanted to know why. Psychology is why. It's the answer to why. It's, 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 the, it's not the answer. It's the search for why. Yep. And it never stops ending. You're like why just keeps going. Mm -hmm. and, and it can be a very dangerous thing if you're not careful. And, and no, and I, and I love the whole point that you bring up narcissism because here's the thing is that I've been accused of it. And what I will say is, you know, particularly in the divorce, and what I will say is, yeah, I'm a narcissist to a certain level. And, and what the more I in, intr intrinsically look at that and say, okay, wait a minute, how can I stop thinking about myself? I don't and, even, ooh, that's a hard one. How can I stop thinking? I and, don't know and, if I've ever consciously asked myself that question, but go ahead. No, well, I just, in, in my mind, I'm like going, okay, I've been accused of this. And then I start seeing, like I said, that, that, that piece of paper where everything that I'd said, I realized, yeah, that was me thinking about me and my feelings and my, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I have to learn to be good with myself, to be happy with myself before I can ever focus that on somebody else. Yeah, that's key. It's yeah. self-growth. The, the secret to happiness, mm -hmm. there's a bunch of them, but I think one of the main things is be selfish. Be selfish in the way that you come first, mm -hmm. um, that your personal growth comes before anyone else's. Focusing on being the best version of you possible mm -hmm. is uh, very admirable. And that's something that we should be selfish about. And I don't mean saying, well, I need my time. No, it's, it's mm -hmm. why, you know what I mean? It's, ask, it's, a, it's asking a series of whys I guess, within I guess yourself. The way I think about it is be so selfish that you can be generous. Yeah. You know what? I just finished a book. Brennan did too. It was um, Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. So let me tell you, I've got some great books. That's one of the best books I could recommend now. And something he, he talked about was being selfish and selfless. Selfless, you know what I mean, both. Being so self selfish that you can be selfless. Yeah, yeah, he actually, he, I think he describes it in that way. Um, and I thought it was beautiful. I, I, I hope it, you need the book. It's a wonderful yeah, book. I'll, I'll I would it. recommend, I've got the actual book book, mm -hmm. but I, I love the audio book because he's I, such a good narrator. It's his words, and it's just wonderful. Brennan loved it too. Got, you, did I'm, you like it, Brennan? Yeah. yeah, so I've got Audible, and so yeah, yeah I, do, I download books all the time, me and too. and when I'm driving, I'll just like listen to them. I had something I was going to end with, and I don't remember what it was now, um, but it was something about narcissism, and I don't even remember. I guess I was just ultimately thinking, um, you know, I've accepted that we are everything: scared, happy, angry, narcissistic, whatever 
thing you can identify an individual as schizophrenic, I guess you could say, but it's to what degree mm-hmm. it's, we all are these things. And, um, it's, 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 it's a matter of self-reflecting and, and we'll ask well, why, why, why am I this way? Was it because nothing was ever good enough as a kid? And now I have an inferiority complex. You know what I mean? It's just, it's mm-hmm. just personal growth, man. Quit trying to fucking fix the world. That's what's wrong with the world. Everybody's mm-hmm. out there trying to fix the world. Everybody's out there trying to help someone. Everybody's out there trying to, you know, give other people advice. Right. The, I think the problem is Jordan Peterson said, make your own bed. Focus on that. Mm-hmm. If you can make your own room look good, like you've accomplished something. And uh, quit trying to go out there and protest everything. And I'm not saying these things aren't important, but have your shit together right. Like mm-hmm. you're satisfied. Now, how can you help others? But if you have so much conflict within yourself, man, quit trying to help other people, you know. And but I'm mm-hmm. even saying that's a balance too. It's not saying don't help people. No, don't take it, things so goddamn literally. But like but, it's not black or white. It's, but a, but a biblical term, you know. How can you take the speck out of somebody else's eye when you can't get the log out of your own? There you go. Good way to end, Kurt. Man, I have had such a good time. Thank you so much. Absolutely, brother. Oh my goodness. Oops. I messed up my, <laughs> is that you too? No. Yeah, I heard it. Anyways, Yeah.